Good evening, High Point family. How are you? I appreciate you getting on. I don't know about you, but I had a really good time at Easter. So we had, y'all, you're not going to believe this. We had 646 uh, for worship. Now, some of those were online and some came to the first service, but still, you know, that is awesome. So it speaks to the uh, the goodness of our church. And, you know, I've got some preaching buddies that aren't sure if half their church is going to, is still part of their church or what, but we have a, a strong base at High Point. It's just exciting. And I know everyone is, is craving to get back. So it was fun seeing some folks and uh, you'll have to help us spread the word that we're going to keep the auditorium uh, door to the gym open for those that feel more comfortable sitting at the back. So anyway, it's good having everyone. So let me know that you're here and hello, Karen Perry. Good to have you. Oh, it was amazing. Well, thank you. And I appreciate it. So yeah, folks enjoy talking about the resurrection. It gives us hope, doesn't it? So Talia, the Allen's here. Beautiful day. It was got a little windy this afternoon, but that's okay. I don't know about you. Uh, some people love the cold weather. I, I just get in a better and better mood the warmer it gets. So hello, Joe Pierce, and hello, Don, as well, I'm assuming. And hello, Wilma Holloway. And Carrie Smith. Carrie, I apologize. I've always thought your name was Kari, but Teresa told me it's Carrie. So we'll, we'll go with Carrie until you tell me uh, something else. But it's good having you. And Clarice Hickman, hello, right back. Hello, Paula Austin, good to have you and Ron and Karen Fulichek. So good to have you guys with us. So, and I'm sure there's more out there in viewing lands. So hop on, just give me a quick shout out. Let me know that you're watching. Hello, Teresa. Hopefully you and Ralph are doing well. So good to have y'all with us. Uh, it looks like Bill and Kathy James. All right, welcome aboard for this evening. So if you wanna get ahead, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter 27. But I, I want to give, hello, Evansburgers, good to have you. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 27. But, oh, <laughs> Carrie says the answer just about anything. For a few years, I was known as uh, Carrie to IRS. Okay. All right. Hello, Canfields. Glad that y'all guys are listening. And... Amy, it was good seeing your folks. Your parents said that was the first time that they've been out since COVID hit. So it was good having them. So I'm, I'm glad they were able to come to the sunrise service. It was good seeing them. So the question for the evening is this. We're going to talk a little bit about motives and maybe why we do some things that we do tonight. So the question that we have is, have you ever done the wrong thing for the right reason? Or... Have you ever done uh, the right thing for the wrong reason? Okay, so, oh, looks like we've got the uh, middle books here. Glad to have you. And Lewis and Paula, hello to every everyone, they said. And John Hildreth, good to have you. And all right, so he, he is in Anna tonight, no longer in Michigan. It's good to have you, John. Okay, so if you wanna send me either a thumbs up or a yes or uh, which one you've done, or if you want to give a, a short story, that's fine. So while you're, uh, oh, hello, Larry and Jerry, good to have you watching from Arkansas. All right, well, welcome aboard. So, uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, this story is not about jail. 
But right out of school, I went to go work uh, as an intern in St. Louis, and we we're going through a spiritual internship. And we were there and committed for 14 months. Uh, but there were some college kids that came in every year in the summer. And so uh, when I got there to St. Louis, there was no one to go out with and there was no one I was interested in. And then we had a bunch of uh, college students from Harding that came in for a weekend and they were trying out to be summer interns. And they were some pretty cute girls that were there. And one of them in particular, I kind of hit it off with. And she's like, hey, if you're ever in Searcy, you'll have to look me up and we can go hang out. So, of course, I'm like, well, what are you doing next weekend? But I, I didn't say that. But I was looking for an excuse to get down there. Well, it turns out a few months later, our preacher, uh, Ben Williams, was taking a, a class at Harding Grad. And he wanted to come back for a really important banquet at our church. Well, the problem was he could get a fly into St. Louis uh, at a Little Rock, but he couldn't get one back later that night to get there in time to be ready to go for school. And so he was going to have to miss our 10 year anniversary banquet. And so uh, someone came up with the idea. Well, what if one of the interns could take you to Harding? and you could sleep in the back of a van on a mattress, uh, and then you'll wake up and go, go to school as if you slept. So they came in the room and asked, would anyone be willing to take our preacher to Harding? And I'm like, I will, I, I think out of the goodness of my heart. And they're like, oh, you know, you don't have to drive all night. I know, I'll do it, I'd be willing to help. And so of course my buddies in the internship knew exactly why I wanted to go to Harding. And so after the banquet uh, later that week, uh, we hopped in the van and Ben, the preacher's like, okay, you know where you're going? I said, yeah, we take this road, this road, this road. We should roll into Searcy about mm, two o'clock in the morning. He's like, Searcy? <laughs> um, Harding Graduate School's in Memphis. And you gotta take me all the way to Memphis. Well, I had set up to be at chapel with this girl the next morning. And so I was like, oh no. So. I drove very rapidly and got all the way out to Memphis to turn around and come back to Searcy and rolled in within minutes of, of chapel. But I learned my lesson. I was doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason, kind of an ulterior uh, reason. So, all right. So let's see who we have. Okay. So Diane Newhouse says, uh, oh, it's in Spanish. Uh, but I think it says, uh, howdy duty from Paul and Diane. So good to have you guys with us. And Nancy says, just Nancy, Brian's at his parents. Okay. And Brenda Womble. So good to have the Wombles watching and Gail Mullins and Zach and Linda. So let me know if you've ever done the wrong thing for the right reason or the right thing for the wrong reason. Because we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight as we continue our third week in the story of Jacob. So I'm going to read, this is from Genesis chapter 27. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's kind of, I've forgotten some of the details from the story, but hopefully it'll be, it'll bring it all back to you. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, I'm sure he sounded like the godfather. Here I am, he answered. Uh, Isaac said, I am now old and don't know uh, the day of my death. Now, 
get your weapons and your quiver and your bow and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it back to me so that I can give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country uh, to hunt and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me back some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen very carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father and eat so he may give you his blessing before he dies. And Jacob said, uh, excuse me, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and he would bring down a curse on, my, on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, oh, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and get them for him. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her son, which had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with a goat skin. Then she uh, handed her son, Jacob, the tasty food and bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, uh, who is it? Jacob said, well, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said to his son, how'd you find it so quickly? I just sent you out. Uh, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son. I know whether you're really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, well, the voice is that of Jacob, but the hands are that of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he said? I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate, and he brought some wine and he drank. And his father said to Isaac, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and says, ah, oh, the smell of my son, like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you uh, heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. May the Lord of your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left, scarcely left his father's presence and his brother Esau came in from the hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, sit up and eat. Eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father, Isaac, asked him, who are you? He goes, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and blessed him. And indeed, will, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, 
he burst out with loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came in deceitfully and uh, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named J Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, well, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives, his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud and his father, Isaac, answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw your yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is he's about to take you out. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from then. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from the Hittite women like these, my life will no longer be worth living. So we'll get into next week what happens with that. But, all right, let's see what we got. Uh, Buster Canfield said, oh, good to have Norman Nichols with us. Okay, uh, Diane said that was a blessing. Kurt says, hi from Kurt and Tara. Good to have you guys. Buster says, I once gave someone a bunch of flowers just to make her boyfriend look bad. That's awesome. Also to impress her. But a little bit of me knew it would make him look like a heel. Uh, would that be the right thing for the wrong reason? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I'm glad to see that's how you and Amy got together. So that's awesome. So, uh, but thank you for sharing. I appreciate those that share. You get gold stars. So, but yeah, so let's get into this story. And we talked the first two weeks that with Jacob and Esau, you're like, who's the hero here? Who's the good guy? Usually you have a good son and a bad son, but they both seem to have kind of ulterior motives and they, they've got, uh, you know, one's angry and, you know, short-sighted and the other one's conniving. You're like, ah, Lord, what are you going to do with this? And so at what point is Jacob ever going to be the hero that is promised to his mother, Rebecca? Because he doesn't appear to be a hero and neither does she. So she's kind of part of this as well. I Buster said, yeah, we've been married for 25 years. Yay. Okay. So you did the right thing for the wrong reason, but God was a part of it. So that's awesome. All right, so here's kind of the big idea where we're going, that Jacob and Rebekah uh, sought to achieve God's promises, what God said was going to happen, 
but they used deceptive means to make it happen. And they nearly destroyed their family in the process. All right. So while we may still receive God's blessing, trying to achieve a blessing through deceitful means has consequences. And so we need to realize sometimes we don't need to speed God up. We don't need to help God out as we sometimes try to do, but yet trust in God. So I was reading a commentary um, by a guy named John Walton and from Genesis chapter 27. Here's what he says. The narrative now moves rapidly to the unsurprising results, escalated tensions and greater conflict. Rebecca shares in this consequence as she's forced to send her favorite son away. In this scene, the resulting curse is on her. Uh, despite her hopes that the separation would be brief, the few days she's thinking that it'll take for Esau to settle down turns into 20 years that she's separated from her favorite um, son. So the jeopardy um, to the covenant is encapsulated in Rebecca's expression of her worst fears. Why should I lose both of you in one day, her husband and her favorite son? So the covenant, again, hangs by a thread with the frightening re uh, realistic prospect that both Isaac and Jacob could be lost in a twinkling of an eye. So, so this is kind of a, a weird story, but it's bookended by the blessing. So on one end, you've got Jacob, um, I mean, you've got um, Isaac talking with his son Esau about giving a blessing. So that's on this side. And then it ends, the rest of the chapter is him coming back in and asking for this blessing. Well, in between is the deception and the blessing being extended to Jacob. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of think that maybe God could have brought this about another way, but yet he still allows this to take place. So here's what we got. Uh, Esau, when he finds out what Jacob and later his mom have done, he said that his name is right. You guys got spot on when you called him Jacob. Now, there's two different ways that you could interpret Jacob. One is they called him that because he grabbed the heel. So it's like a heel grabber. And so he literally grabbed the heel of his older brother. And so that's why they named him Jacob. But grabbing the heel was also synonymous with, it was kind of a figure of speech for deception, that you're pulling one over on me, you're grabbing my heel. And so what he's saying is, y'all may have called him the heel grabber because of what he did, but in reality, it shows his true character and that he brought this about through deception. So my brother is a deceiver. So hello, Idafonso, good to have you on with us tonight as well. All right, so, um, uh, so this etymology of the word, which speaks of the grave flaw in Jacob's characters, what's going on was well known and it couldn't be ignored. And this is where it comes to full bloom that Jacob is going to bring about what he wants to take place and what God wants to take place in kind of nefarious ways and through deception that we're going to see God's going to, God's still got some work to do on him to get him where he needs to be, to be the father of many nations. 
So, um, so how can Esau brazenly claim that Jacob cheated him out of his birthright when Esau's also got some character flaws? So we're reading this and we want to feel sorry for Esau, but we don't uh, because Esau's not a nice person. And we also see he's kind of a worldly son that doesn't seem to have much interest in, uh, in, in, I guess, church folk and doing things the way God wants him to do. Apparently he's off uh, with some of the local women that they're not supposed to be interacting with. And so he's living a very worldly lifestyle. So on one hand, we want to feel sorry for him from what Jacob has done uh, to Esau, but Esau's not a, a, a good victim, you know, because he's kind of a villain himself. He's very short-sighted. We studied last week how that Esau was very rash in giving up his birthright, and now he's had the blessing stolen from him. So it, it is a double whammy, but it, it's hard for us to feel bad for him because we know God's still at work and God wanted this to happen, but maybe not in this way. All right. So this unit begins and ends with uh, Isaac and, and Esau and their dialogue regarding the inheritance and the patriarchal blessing. Uh, but it kind of reveals some ironic outcomes that I think are kind of interesting. Uh, in the first paragraph, Isaac initiates the transferring of the blessing. So Isaac is putting this out there. And in the final paragraph, it's Esau who is the one seeking the blessing. So they're both initiating, and yet Jacob is the only one that walks away with the blessing. And both paragraphs include a parallel words of address, my son, my father, reflecting on kind of the poignancy of the moment and, and how tight they are, this father and son, and how Jacob steps in to grab something of value, but in the the way he does it is by taking advantage of his his ailing father and poor eyesight, poor senses, and he's in his last days and he's taking advantage of his father. And he's also taking advantage of their special relationship in how he goes about receiving this blessing. And so um, he taps into this trust that is innate between this father and son in order to achieve his own results. So yet uh, uh, Esau, and we see in verses 30 through 41, if you go back and look at that, He's no longer merely this uh, lusty actor of old, so to speak, uh, but belated, he's been jolted into a loss. If, if you remember when, when he realized he had lost his birthright, he's like, I don't care, you know, who cares about the future if I'm gonna die right now? But now he's kind of wised up and he realizes, not only did I not have my rights as the eldest son, I also don't have the inheritance. And so I was kind of counting on that to kind of coast through life. And now my brother has gone off and taken that and it can't be reversed. I don't know. Maybe our question for the night is, have you ever gotten into a heated discussion with a sibling over uh, inheritance or 
over a will because I know a lot of families have been blown apart when it comes to money and mom and dad's money and that type of thing. Um, and so Jill and I have been blessed that both of our parents are poor. No, I'm kidding. But uh, that's that's not a, a real motivation. And so but I know for a lot of folks, uh, brothers and sisters really struggle with uh, what do we do with inheritance and who gets what? Well, who's done this for them? And uh, boy, it, it can unravel family and, and nothing flat. So um, Esau now is in tune with what's happened. And now his life is going to be more of a struggle since he has to kind of come up with his own way of fending for himself. And so now, uh, unlike with the birthright, he's now very concerned and he's worried, right? And so the jolt leaves him in this solitary state. And so in, in one brief moment, he's sad for his father, he's angry at his brother, and he's fearful of his future. And so I would imagine it's like a barometer. I mean, it's just going up and down and those uh, one will spike and then another one will spike and then another one will go up and then it goes down. And so he's conflicted. He's going through this sorrow and, and anger and fear just going up and down. And so it's kind of a nasty cocktail for him to be taken in. And uh, he realizes that the only way to satisfy, he can't do anything about his father, but the only way that he can satisfy the pain and the hurt and the anger and the fear is to take his brother out because he gets the revenge on his brother, but he also, that inheritance would come back to him. So his plan is to lay low till pop kicks the bucket and then go after his brother. So that's his plan. And so, um, um, but the, uh, the joke's on him that that it's not going to be reversed and God is behind this. And so sometimes when we act in a way uh, that is unbecoming who we are as God's children, uh, sometimes we have to pay the consequence for that. Uh, I love the story about um, the shepherd at a church uh, who was there every Sunday and was there taking care of his flock and doing all that he can. Well, he lived up in, in a house that backed up to a golf course. And one Sunday morning, he decided, you know what? I'm gonna go peek into church, wave at a few folks. I'm gonna take off, go play golf. So that's what he did. And so he comes back home while church is going on, hops out, gets out on the golf course. Well, Satan goes and talks to God much like he did when he was tempting Job. And he's like, hey, are you aware of your servant, this shepherd at the church that is skipping church to go play golf? And God's like, mm, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, what is it that you plan to do to punish uh, this shepherd's dishonesty? And so um, uh, the Lord replies back, would well, just wait and see what happens on the fifth hole. The Satan's like, all right, I'll wait. Let's see what happens. And so the fifth hole happened to be the most difficult hole with the highest handicap on the whole course. And the shepherd gets out there and he's by himself 
and he loads up his biggest drive ever. And sure enough, he hits it. He could have won the longest drive competition. And that thing just takes off and sails just true straight down the middle of the fairway, drops in onto the green, which you can't imagine that he got it that far. And then it hits it just right. And it follows the curve of the green. And he's just watching, watching, watching. Sure enough, it drops down all in one. And he's like, yes. And so Satan comes back to him and he says, why have you rewarded this unconscionable conduct of this shepherd of the church with such remarkable success? Well, God told him, he goes, well, it looks like success now. But he replied, who's he going to tell? He can't go brag to his friends because he skipped church when he should have been there. So sometimes we have even harder consequences when we step in. Uh, sometimes, especially when we uh, do the wrong thing, trying to bring about the right thing for God. And so I want to encourage us to wrestle with, uh, even when we're doing the right thing, uh, do we have an ulterior motive for why we're doing what we're doing? Uh, and are we taking matters into our own hand in order to go in and, and try to help God out to accomplish God's will. So uh, I, I love the movie, um, Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King in 2003, because it gives you a little bit of backstory uh, about Gollum. And, and it shows, we've seen the crazy Gollum and, and what he's doing and the, Oh, my little precious. And it, it's just a shriveled up existence. But it shows earlier on in his life when he had a buddy that he ended up killing in order to get a hold of this ring to harness its power. And so we see this shriveled up existence of Gollum and how his ulterior motives and doing the wrong thing uh, for personal gain really cause this pillar in the community to shrink into next to nothing. So hopefully you're enjoying this um, story of Jacob. And sometimes it's painful to listen to his story, but to see what God does with him, hang in there. There's good news that comes out of Jacob's story because it's not just Jacob's story, but it's our story as well. So, um, I encourage you, read ahead if you want, and uh, just be pondering and saying, God, what can I uh, gain from this? So uh, one final thing to share, and I'll close this with a prayer. Uh, some of you guys know Paul and Ophelia Martin, uh, and Ophelia has been so good helping to take care of Paul Martin's uh, mom, uh, Bess Martin, and She's just a real sweet, sweet person. And um, she was there on Sunday morning and she decided that she wanted to be baptized. She's raised in the Catholic church. And she said she couldn't quite get out quick enough. And she's um, had some health problems and stuff. So she came back up on Sunday afternoon. And so we got to baptize her. And she's like, I just want the Easter story to be my story. So uh, anyway, just want to share that, that good news with our family. So let's close this with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for all that you give us. 
and all that you bless us with. And Lord, thank you for the story of Jacob. Uh, Lord, sometimes when we look at the things we do, it feels like we're looking in the mirror when we look at Jacob's life. But Lord, um, as you looked at Jacob and you wrestled with Jacob and you stayed steadfast along with him on his journey and you helped grow and mature him, we just pray that you do that in each of our lives. Lord, help us to trust you and not take matters in our own hands. Help us to be faithful, knowing that you will uh, keep your promises. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night. Thank you. Right back to you, Miss Linda Robinson. So blessings, and we'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday.